drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC, DLC Drop, drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Jamie King. Jamie has had quite a career in the esports and gaming space from Rockstar Games, currently head esports EVP at the Engine Shop, working with a ton of brands, someone with ridiculous experience and pretty fun personality. So I'm excited to talk to you, Jamie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, John. It's uh, good to be on your podcast. Thank you. And I wasn't sure if I was going to get ever get the invite. <laughs> I had to work my way up to you, my man. You know, I had uh, to like, you know, make sure I established that credibility, just like brands have to do in the esports space. I guess uh, you you've always say. been credible. <laughs> I, rem- I remember the day we met. Yeah, let's tell that story. What's your version? So, I'll tell my version after you. <laughs> so my my version was I was like an overexcited teenager at the first Overwatch homestand in dallas yes and i'd seen like like a social post you guys did right and you were there activating yeah and we had the bud night with and i was and i found you i like seeked you out and i was like we got to do something like whilst we're here right you, you remember that absolutely yeah so to give background for the audience i was working at gamestop at the time as head of partnerships and yeah, at the Dallas Fuel, we're putting on the very first homestand event, which ended up influencing how Overwatch League would do homestands from that point on because it was so successful. It was epic. That was a good event. Yeah, so our activation for GameStop, we had this step and repeat with GameStop logos, and we did this social campaign, well, social and then activation on site, where we had people come, and if they took a picture in the GameStop booth, they hashtag... OWL Ultimate Fan, I think they tagged GameStop and the Dallas Fuel. They'd be entered into a contest to win a Corsair headset, who was a, a sponsor of the Fuel, and also a behind-the-scenes tour with Hastro, the founder, CEO of Team Envy. And so I was trying to think before this event, you probably don't even know this piece, Jamie, before the event, I was like, how are we going to pe- get people to want to take pictures in our booth? So I was looking at the layout with Shay Butler, the partnership guy at Team Envy, and Love I saw Shay. I saw there was a cosplay booth. With, That's right. That's right. Yeah. So shout out Frostbite Cosplay. They're here in Dallas. And so I was like, I want to be next to the cosplay booth because I know people are going to want to take pictures there. And what happened, which I could not have planned better, but there was a dude in this huge Reinhardt costume. And it's, it's I have... A great picture I got with the guy too that I I love sharing all the time. But I was like, hey man, would you mind taking a picture in the GameStop booth so we can post it on social? So he did. The moment he did, a line formed. And everybody just thought that the Frostbite people were in the GameStop booth. And it was so successful, they just stayed there. And then the next morning, they just went straight to the GameStop booth. They didn't even do their own booth. And Pioneer, it's all you need, right? First move and then everyone wants a piece. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. So with your side of it, Jamie, yeah, you had the Bud Knight and we're like, dude, we got to do a picture of the Bud Knight fighting Reinhardt in the GameStop booth. Yes, yes. Well, like, yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. Did we actually, did we pull that off? Did we get a mock fight with those two in the end? We did. So we, GameStop did a Instagram post of a poll with who would win the Bud oh, Knight yeah. or Reinhardt. And I think, I can't remember, but it sounds familiar that like Bud Light was like, wait, those are not within our brand guidelines or something. But we're like, no, it's sick. You got to do it anyway. Yeah, like we like to make up sometimes the guidelines. <laughs> it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission a lot of times with these activations. You just got to go with it, right? Well, yeah, and I think look, and that's, you know, part of the activation, right, and putting on a good activation is actually sort of really sort of thinking through how your activation connects with all the other partners that are there, right, right? and the wider footprint, and, and how do you really socialize whilst you're there with all the fans right yeah. and really make it a fun experience for them and i think you know we were sort of thrilled to to have bud light at an overwatch event to be at an overwatch event one of the reasons why we part you know part of our recommendations to anheuser bush to to be there and to be part of overwatch was seeing the f- sort of early fan base go out and buy jerseys to represent the city teams right and a number of women and then parents with their kids and teenagers and grown-ups and for me i was like yeah like i really brought into the whole franchise league yeah home fans and of course look you know one of the people in esports who really wants esports to be a thing i'm not saying <laughs> it's not right for but sure. we're still like, ah, oh, this is crappy compared to like traditional sports, right? In the grand scheme of media and entertainment. So, you know, for me, it was a really important sign that, oh, this is going to work. And obviously COVID came along as kind of oh, man. a little, uh, little challenge there. But that Dallas homestand was was special for sure. And like the rivalries with Houston wow. Outlaws, packed. And, and, and we had the suite and we just let so many people in. Yeah, and just fishing out the beers, and the bad night was great, right? And he did; he became he became a cosplay character in his own right at that event. Exactly. Yeah, that was boy. That was such a special event. It was kind of funny because I had done deals with both the Houston Outlaws and Team Envy and the Dallas yeah. Fuel. So you know, it Flat was <laughs> it was the Fuel's home event. But I I go over to the Outlaws suite and I'm like, "Hey guys, you good? Cool." But <laughs> the last. The, the last match, it culminated with the Outlaws versus the Fuel. And it was so impactful because, man, I feel like that audience was like 50-50 with Houston it, it and Dallas. Like it was at that game, at that matchup. By and, then, it was. Yeah, it was incredible. And they actually went into overtime. And I was in the suite of the Dallas Fuel next to Hastro, Jeff Moore, and their investor, Ken Hirsch, together yes. with them when they Dude, won quite, in overtime, it was gentlemen right there. <laughs> it's the right, the right room to be in. You know, they say that yeah. they say, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. I was definitely yeah. in the right room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like Jeff. Uh, like, I mean, I like all of them. I've only met him briefly. Right. But Jeff, like immediately connected with him. Cause I was just all over them. Right. I just pop up in there, in their suite. Oh, no, I'm Jamie. <laughs> and then we, we, we made that canvas, right? We had everyone that was at the homestand sign the canvas. That's right. And we yeah. handed it to Mark on stage. Right? Yeah, that's incredible. And Jeff, he's, he's a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast as well. And what mm. I, I love about, I think Team Envy is one of the most well-run organizations. And I think part of it is you have 
you know, Hastro has the experience as a pro gamer and has come up and helped grow this industry. But you have folks like Jeff, who, I mean, the guy was at the Dallas Stars for 18 years. He was the SVP of sales and marketing. He ran the F1 track in Austin. He's done consulting for HKS before he came and was president and CEO of Team Envy. And they just have such a strong support structure of both, hey, we understand traditional sports and business, but also we respect and understand the gaps and the complementary needs for the esports understanding and experience. And now they're becoming just an entertainment company in addition to the the competition. I, I love seeing what they're doing here in Dallas. I, you know, it's, it's very interesting because a lot of what you said is actually sort of touching on a lot of beats that are going on in the esports industry right now. Yeah, look, Jeff, I mean, like you're going to work at F1 and tr- like travel the world at a time when it was the shit, right? right? And like you're in the pits and it's all glamour and pot and champagne and, you know, billionaires and quite, quite the lifestyle. Yeah, he's like a heavy hitter. You know? And I don't know if you've ever spoken to him about archaeology, right? And Machu Picchu and Gobi Tepe and Jerusalem and ancient monuments. It's like fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And Mark, Next yeah, time. like Mark's like so chill and full of love, right? And positive energy. Like he's a beautiful human being, right? Yeah. And the way he treats everyone around him. Uh, yeah, I really, you're right. I, lo- I like, I love Team Envy and I've got special place in my heart for them. And I like it as a brand. I like their success. I love that they won Call of Duty League. And I yeah. feel like when you touch on entertainment, you look at all the top esports teams, right? And where the revenue is coming from. Right. And it's not just coming from esports, right? And and especially also because of COVID, so much of it now is about content, right? And Absolutely. that broader term of like entertainment. And I feel like, you know, with Team Envy, I think we're going to see a lot from them, right? Yeah. Andrew, who's over there on content, he's like an OG, right? He was like, you know, an optic founder, like yeah. way, like like at the heart of things. OG, very yeah. smart, quiet, right? And um, yeah, and there's new people there, and and I I'm hoping to see a lot. And I love they got the the Botez sisters, right? Chess. Oh, you know, it's genius because Chess is all of a sudden is like the OG esports, right? Yeah, and brilliant. And uh, they've got a bullet invitational tomorrow. Is that right? Where, like, okay. I don't know if you've seen that, like a game lasts a minute or like two minutes. It's insane. Oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't yeah, heard yeah, about like that they're before. Doing, they're streaming, live streaming it tomorrow. And uh, Genius. I love them. I love their look. And, and I think I just love that thinking, right? right? Where like we're really broadening what it means to be an esports org, what it means to be a content creator around video games and esports, right? Yeah. And all the sort of entertainment permutations that we're all discovering and originating, coming up with as we go. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, because, you know, obviously Envy is one of these OG teams that have been around forever, but I had on the podcast uh, a couple months ago, Marco Maru, who's the COO of Xset, and Ooh. and they have a very different approach than traditional esports. They They have like seven or nine different teams, but they're all entertainment focused. A lot of their ownership are, are musical artists and celebrities, and we were discussing that like a lot of their power comes from being a new org and seeing how traditional teams have not been able to monetize just purely the competition part. So they come in and they say, yeah, oh, we're fully competition. We have nine different teams, but we're all about this entertainment lifestyle. And I think it's it's benefited them to come in late, but Envy 
has been in forever, but they have adapted with the times quite well. It's interesting. They, to yeah, see. well, no, they've never they've never lost their roots, should we yeah. say? Right? Yeah. They have a very clean brand. Right. There's no right. stigma. There's no dirt. There's no hoopla, really. And and they win, right? Yes. And I think they've just been quite quiet and methodical. But we have seen the explosion of phase, right? The explosion right. of 100 Thieves. We've seen dramatic rise in competition at the tournament level. Yes. We've seen VCs come in and jack up prices, right? <laughs> we we've sure seen have. massive like wage, we've seen wage inflation on salaries. Yep. Now all of a sudden, like you've got a lot of overheads and team ops, right? It's it's like you've got a it's a constant time and attention and energy and resources. And then, you know, prize pools are like varies. Sure. And it isn't enough. And then, you know, sort of so I'm a non-endemic, right? Yeah, okay. So I was at Rockstar. I made video games. But when we think about esports, I'm a non-endemic, right? I wasn't there in a ballroom on a land bringing my computer. You know, like right. I, I wasn't a pro player. wasn't a team owner. And so, but I, so I'm part. I'm like a a non-endemic trying to earn a living, sure, in esports and justify it, right? Right. And then I'm actually certainly an engine shop you know, half of what we do is work with sports properties. Yeah. And their esports. Yeah. But then the other half is non-endemics. Bud Light being one of them, Mercedes-Benz, right? Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And very much at the sharp end of the, trying to get the sponsorship deals. Yeah. Which is hard. Absolutely. And I want to talk about your background too. And I want to talk about a lot of these brands that you have successfully uh, introduced in the esports space. One thing I wanted to touch on really quick, one more point on Envy in the discussion I had with Jeff Moore, which is mind-blowing. He was explaining the the challenges that teams have. And boy, do teams have it rough right now. I mean, it is just so difficult. And he said, this is what we have to do, John. We have to identify where in the growth phase are we compared to like traditional sports. So if you compare Envy to the Dallas Cowboys, are we the equivalent to the 1964 Cowboys as far as the opportunities and the league formation or everything, or are we more 72 Cowboys, et cetera? He said, then we have to look at where we think we should be and want to be in 20 years. We need to take the strategic steps at the right time to get there because just time itself won't get you there. And then we have to do it without running out of money first. <laughs> I was like, oh my, <laughs> bro, the stress. Right? I got stressed hearing him say that. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, but that's the beautiful thing, right? Is that we are in its infancy. I'm amazing that he gave it as uh, you know as late as '64 because, in a way, I feel like it's like 1910 and we've got no helmets, right? Or they, you know, like, <laughs> right. And I think, but look, and that's where there is a tremendous amount of value in the learnings that we can take from traditional sports leagues and how they built themselves out because if we sort of stop and sort of think about esports and and where we're at now. You've got video game publishers who are normally very good at making games and that's about it, right? Yeah. Suddenly now having to be league operators. Right. Running a sports league, right, globally. (laughs) Right. Or you've got a third party that's having to deal with the publisher and those rights and then build a sports league. You know, and I think, you know, and and esports has been so international in its audience and its viewership which is brilliant, but a nightmare for a, a national brand. Right. 
right? I know, which is where like the sponsorship deal rub has been or, or one of the challenges, right? There's only so many Gillettes. Exactly. Right? And Coca-Colas, right? And then I think, yeah, and look, I mean, yeah, and I can imagine you've got 18 year olds and you've got a team of, of Korean kids, right? In the US. Right? Yeah. Then you've got, you know, Eastern Europeans, Europeans, Brazilians, right? Yeah. And, and, and they're teenagers and they're now performing at the highest level on a stage, knowing that there's in the good old days and the days we'll get back to yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people live. Yes. And press and interviews and step and repeats backstage. And, stuff, and then knowing there could be a hundred million people online watching. It's insane. And it, that's an insane amount of pressure. And I think we're, we're at such the early stages of injuries, mental health, right? Yeah. And you think about Dallas Cowboys and the sophistication of their recovery room, like their oh, athlete recovery absolutely. room. Absolutely. Like, I'm like messing around with this thing called Nucom. Okay. And this biosignal processing disc, right? That gets the, the GABA flowing in, in my brain uh-huh. and helps my cells recover. Or then their Ignite product, which gets my brain to a different frequency and gets me ready to perform, right? Yeah. Um, and I just keep you when I'm using it, I'm like, every esport team should use this. Yeah. And then you think about like, you know, I think it was like a year ago, two years, two years ago, you know, go to like Immortals, right? And go go see their facility, right? Yeah. And it was just starting to onboard like the doctor, right? Mm. And 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 the kind of the sort of the mental wellness. But like you think about you know, everyone says they're not athletes, right? The shoulder injuries, the elbows, the wrists, the fingers, yeah. the hand. It's a legit thing and therefore working out and actually i feel like there's elements from traditional sports and preparation and team and bonding and and wellness and health that we've like barely begun and then that in turn actually opens up opportunities for non-endemics like the healthcare industry and the wellness industry from a sponsorship perspective absolutely in fact i think complexity gaming is best set up for that and they're you know coincidentally owned by jerry jones Right. I had the opportunity when I was at GameStop to facilitate the naming rights deal for their headquarters, the GameStop right. Performance Center. Yeah. yeah, so I've been able to see it close up. And they, Jason Lake and his team, they really focus on player health, player performance is their whole thing. And I, I just had somebody on the podcast, a recording session right before this one, actually, just an hour ago, a woman who's a CEO at a company called Helium. And what Helium does is they work with, they're a software but they work with hardware VR and they help you visualize your stress through your brain waves. So they wow. measure your brain waves with a wearable. And then with VR, you visualize that with animals and colors. So then you can control it and calm yourself Amazing. down, improve your, your sleep, lower your stress. It's insane. And we were talking about how before a match, you could put this on and you could prepare and you can, get ready to perform at the highest level, but also after you can calm yourself down. You so can, you can recover. Dethrottle, yeah, recover, yeah. That's why I use the new car, right? Flush, they developed it for vets with PTSD and cancer patients. And it like used to be a $5,000 medical device. Now it's a little disc I put here. Interesting. And I can do it for like 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. It depends. Do I need to like recover? Do I need rescue? Yeah. And it flushes my system of anxiety and stress. So, I'm still challenged by how do I keep my job or sure. how do I get that job? Whatever. How do I land that pitch? Yeah. But it's not crippling me and it's not holding uh-huh. me back. Right. And I mean, anyway, so 
Yeah, so look, I think, you know, it's they are all entertainment companies in a way now. Yes, and I, I always say, man, esports is entertainment. You want it, you made a good point about the injuries and that it can be physical. But I'm like, man, we don't even that's why I don't like the the term esports. I prefer competitive gaming because sure. it initially starts a debate of whether it's a sport or not. And my answer to that is it doesn't matter because that's purely based on your personal definition of sport. What it is, it's entertainment. It is engaging more youth than anything else across the globe. It's impactful. It's important to young people. And that's all you have to know to believe that this is the future and that you need to get involved. Yeah. I mean, look, when you talk about the youth and being involved and then you think about gaming. Yeah. And gaming culture, right? Because now these esports organizations that are about content and entertainment, well, we're not, to your point, we're not just talking about competitive gaming. Right. We are now talking about the much the massive culture of gaming, right? right? And one's love affair relationship with gaming. And we're yeah. now all parents, right? We're like the first generation. Yes. And our kids are on Minecraft and Roblox, right? And Rocket League and right. you know, Clubwell, and we're playing with them. <laughs> so it's like we haven't let go of our passion. Exactly. So it's it's it is the pop culture, right? It's like the dominant there was skateboarding, then there was hip hop, and now there's yep. like or rap, right? Right. And now there's video games. And now it's video games. Yeah. And I want to get into that with with your background. You know, I tell every brand, hey, esports is easily easily sponsorable, right? You've got these sponsorable assets, teams, leagues, jerseys, etc. But esports is a microcosm of the much broader gaming ecosystem. And some brands have an opportunity in broader gaming outside of just esports. And you, my friend, you have been involved with one of the most well-known, maybe infamous, infamous at times, publishers, Rockstar Games, the publisher of Grand Theft Auto, still a top 10 seller at GameStop. I can tell you all of these years later, Red Dead Redemption, just an, a legendary publishing house. Tell us how that came to be, how you were one of the co-founders and what you did during your time at Rockstar. I'm sure you got some crazy stories. In this one. I mean, look, I ran my mouth and blanked it, right? No. <laughs> so uh, I was just very lucky. I used, I used to make music videos and, and it was through the record industry that I connected with Sam Hauser, who was at BMG Interactive. Mm. And I started working on, they were sort of finishing Grand Theft Auto 1. Yeah. So I made like the TV ads of Grand Theft Auto 1 and then was sort of, sort of helping to test, you know, th three lines, the official England football game and Silicon Valley for the N64 and sort of got introduced to these guys called DMA up in Scotland. Okay. Right? It was back then when they were DMA. Yeah. And then about two months into working there, BMG were like, we've got a brilliant idea. Let's sell the interactive division, right? <laughs> Here we go. And yeah, they, okay. they sold it to Take Two. And Sam was like, hey, the, this guy called Ryan Brandt, Take Two, and... I've, you know, they've got offices in Windsor, UK, but I've got to go to New York and I've got to bring a few people with me. Would you come? Yeah. And I was like, I'm ready to put the ticket in my hand. I'm done. I'm in. Yeah. And, and I was like back in 97, flew out to New York and we're part of Take Two. And we had, you know, we brought with us a portfolio of games and we had a very distinct vibe already back then about how we viewed video games and they weren't just for teenagers, right? And we yeah. believe they were a superior form of entertainment to film and music. And we're sort of very much on a mission to 
prove all the doubters and sort of naysayers, right, who sort of belittled video games and said that we were antisocial, that we didn't go out, that we were somehow weird playing in all the kind of the basement. Yeah, that stereotype for sure. But also like that we are more like mature content, right? And that then somehow we were ruining the moral fiber of or the fabric of society. It's like, (laughs) no, no, you've got your 18 certificate movies, right? And we've grown up. Yeah, VHS and Betamax machines. We've grown up just inhaling and consuming American culture. Right. Uh, all of your movies, right? And from the Warriors, right? To, you know, the Omen, to the Equalizer, to, to you know, Blade Runner, you name it, right? And yep. so we've absorbed all of that. And we now want to regurgitate that in our own way reflective of our own times right so hell yeah i want to drive around running you know dropping off drugs and picking up prostitutes and hell yeah i want to nick a car and just you know because it was like it was more like the freedom right we understood like my ability to just roam around and kind of control my destiny inside the game sure it's not necessarily then about actually what i'm doing right and i was getting a positive happy emotion out of my experience and i it was sating me right and satisfying me yeah and therefore it was like ah like you know and it was it was so refreshing and i it was so anyways about six months in we realized we need you know a low we need a label we need a name we need a logo we wanted like a brand mark that any consumer when they saw it would know exactly what they were getting right and that and then we were at six flags roller you know roller coaster park Right? And we were talking and talking. Sam loved rock and roll. Sam loved music and he could name every producer and composer and lead singer and drummer and every movie director and always talking about the 70s and 80s and rock and roll and the lifestyle. And we were there that day with his dad was with us and we were like, call it rock star. You talk about it enough. Right. And, and right. so we, we and in a good way, right? And, and we named it Rockstar Games. And then the entire press in America were like, go home, go back to England. We make games. We don't make music. Oh, like go away. And we were like, okay. So then we were just, Oh, really? Oh, okay. Right. Game on. Fine. Let's have it. Right. Okay. And we're going to just make amazing content that just shuts everyone up. Right. But also just blows you away in terms of the experiences that you have with it and the emotional connection that you have. Right. Uh, So it sounds like that blowback from in other industries or the folks in the U.S. was like, rather than being perturbed or 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 discouraging you, you said, "Okay, we're going to come back." Yeah, fuel to the fire. I mean, yeah, you know, we had a very distinct vibe, and one of the reasons why you know I got I connected with Sam straight away and. You know, there's an attitude, right? And and right. there's a determination and there's a hunger, right? There's like a striving for excellence. There's a passion to create great art, right? And right. content. Yeah. So it it was it it just it just, you know, we were always super motivated, but it it just helped resolve. And then it became like a very important conversation. Sure. Right. Within the arts. Like, and it actually led to a very, very healthy debate amongst parents and a thing called the ESRB and ratings. And then we became very clear about this game is rated for adults and are you paying attention to what your child and then the parents are getting involved, learning about the content and making a grown up decision about what they think is right for their child. Right. 
it helped evolve the industry. And it's interesting how you're relating it to movies before where, yeah, you know, we watched tons of movies that have everything that you see in Grand Theft Auto. I yeah. think maybe the difference is when the control is given to the viewer, when the controllers are putting their heads to do those things in the video game rather than just watch, that really hit a nerve with the audience. We had an amazing member of staff who joined Rockstar, Sean, and he came from the art world and mm. the gallery and rest in peace, right? He passed yeah. away a few years ago. Great poet, but I had them. He joined QA because he just really believed. He was like a curator of like the Guggenheim or something. Oh wow! Incredible. And he's very much part of the art scene. And we and we were you know testing one night, and we were talking, and he said, "No, you don't understand. I'm an artist, and I would kill. I would kill for someone who's looking at my art to have the connection that they do with you, the game. Oh wow! Controller in their hand, and that." You know, and it just, I'm probably butchering. He said it way more eloquently, but just resonated and stuck with me. And I'll never, I mean, he was a beautiful person. I'll never forget him, but it just, it just really struck me. And I was like, yes. And there is, there is a tremendous amount of, and look, also certainly with the Grand Theft Autos, right? And then Red Dead is the open world, right? And that yeah. sense of freedom and playing God in a, in a different way, but just, being able to experiment and play a bit fast and loose in a way that you can't in real life. Right. Right. And, and, and really kind of have ownership over your creative expression of what you do. Right. The journey that you have is incredibly powerful. And that's why we sort of talk about it as being, I don't, I love film. I love music. I don't necessarily want to say superior, but there's a different level of engagement that video games afford. Right. Right. Due to the inherent nature of it being this interactive, I, I've got a control in my hand. I've got a, my fingers on a keyboard. I, I, I'm physically, tactilely connecting, right, in a way that you don't necessarily with movies and, and, and with art. Yeah, and with, with video games, it's very aspirational. You know, gamers have the opportunity to do things in games that you could never do in real life, whether that's fighting a dragon right, right. whether that's going on a military mission. Building a city. Building and a city, exactly. Building a house in Sims and building a room with no walls and putting people in there. <laughs> right, right. What's so, them done? Like, it's interesting to see what people do with it. And, yeah. and that's why the gamers are so passionate about what we're doing is, it's like, these are our lives. And now you're seeing young people, you know, they identify just as strongly in the digital world through these games with their gamer tags, with the skins, with their characters as they do in the physical world. And it's really interesting to see the social network build out through our video games. Yeah. And, and, and the social fabric was always there before COVID. Yeah. And you know, the eight and 10 year olds were already using Roblox, right. Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft, right. To socialize, right. right? COVID I think woke a lot of adults and sort of older non-gamers or non-hardcore gamers to actually there, there's these entire ecosystems. And, look, and we can talk about right. the way video game developments evolved, right? And the free-to-play models and the microtransactions oh, and yeah. how now these games are made where, I mean, you remember at GameStop, 
game comes out, it's all about those first two weeks on the shelves. And if it sells, great. And if it doesn't, you're in the bin, right? Yep, and, and then, and, you, and as a consumer, it was like, I'm going to put down my 30, 40 bucks and I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be upset. But again, I'm going to play for a couple of weeks uh-huh. until we started having good multiplayer and two player. But then I'm going to forget it. Now, I've been playing Clash Royale for 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah. I've been playing League of Legends since what? I mean, two years after it came out, right? Seven, yeah. eight years. I've been, you know, and, and so, and like Call of Duty with the wars, these are the entire economies and social ways of life, right? And constant updating of content where I am staying with the same game year after year. Yeah. Um, which is very much more money on the same game. Well, it's an incredible thing that, you know, obviously League of Legends, I think, facilitated early on with the, the free-to-play model, but Fortnite, you know, kind of put kind of broke all these records, put on everybody's radar, this new model in a way. I don't think anybody was making the money that Fortnite has made previous to that. And boy, I was at GameStop when, when Fortnite came out and it was a major problem to figure out how do we monetize a free game that we can't sell and everybody is taking their money. I know large percentages on Xbox and PlayStation a ton of that money was all going to Fortnite with yeah. all the games that you could be played. And, you know, what we figured out is like, oh, well, people need headsets because now they're, <laughs> right? Picks and shovels, baby. That's Picks right. And shovels. <laughs> the Levi Strauss model, exactly. Right. So. Well, it's all you got, right, when it's free to play. And if you're not the publisher. But right. then, you know, that's where esports is different from sports as well. Right? It's a Publishers major X factor, yeah. Publisher own the IP. They own this stuff, right? And you know, and I think it's it's testament to Western publishers. Rockstar has been one of them, right? Where mm-hmm. they have transitioned and kind of absorbed and incorporated the free to play model. Yes. So not and the so not only are they like I'm selling you sixty to a hundred dollars, <laughs> but sixty. I love the fact that actually the one thing they can't charge more for for year after year is the cost of like the box copy of a video game. Right. Be, you know, they try and increase it from 60 and everyone freaks out, right? Yeah, but then skateboards like, oh, are the okay. same. <laughs> right. But like in three months time, I'm going to give you a load of DLC. Yeah. Now on top of that, I'm going to give you microtransactions. Uh-huh. And you look at GTA 5 online, right? Making 50 million a month or whatever it is. Right. And there's this perpetual, all of a sudden, like the whole sort of mobile app game ecosystem of lifetime value and ARPU, right? And, yeah. and retention, right? They've nailed it, and now they've incorporated. They still sell the box copy, but now they've there's an unlimited amount of money that an end user can spend right. on these products. It's incredible, yeah. And all they have to do is just keep the finger on the pulse of what the community wants. That's the crazy thing too, though, is man, the the community, the gaming community, can turn against a publisher, can turn against a game on a dime. In fact, I remember uh, another GameStop story: a Star Wars Battlefront two. Right before it came out, it was forecast to do very, very well. And they made some loot box decisions before right. the release of the game. Oh my God, like in the week of, right? Or it was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, we sold like half the amount that we were forecasted to yeah. before. It just destroyed the game. And that's crazy because the publisher owns all the keys in the ecosystem in esports as well because they own that IP. But at the same time, boy, you better make the right decisions because you misstep, 
and it's like I'm on to the next game because the next another game just came out. In fact, five just came out, probably. Yeah, no, and I think that's always been an investment challenge for game developers, indie developers, yeah. and publishing from the investment community because video games are entertainment to your that's point. right. Therefore, it's hit and miss. Yeah. And even if you made rock, you know, Grand Theft Auto, is it still lightning in a bottle? Can right. you make it again? And they love that word platform. Is there a technology platform that <laughs> has longevity or we can sell or license out, right? right? And we're not so dependent on the whims of the audience. And then now we really do have the council culture. And I think there's also, there is an element of a raging toxicity yes. that can get turned on at any moment in the industry. Yeah. Right. We had it targeted uh, at indies, right? And literally just, just ruined their lives on the yeah. release of a game. We've seen it targeted at girls, girl designers, girl developers, girl CEOs, women yeah. CEOs, right? Females, which is awful. And we need to all like fight. Right. I mean, and then you talk about, you know, and so, and, and I'm going to bounce around a bit here Twitch and video games and esports is entertainment and yes we like watching other people play the fact that we can all become broadcasters because of technology and simple cheap tools right yeah means that the publishers are basically able to crowdsource later stages of development with early release builds right alphas betas get all the feedback get free marketing right right outsource their marketing right for all the awareness to your point, yeah, you better deliver a good game. <laughs> the flip side of that is you can get destroyed before you even come out. Right. And then, you know, it's really interesting to see what happened with Cyberpunk. Yeah. When I joined, when I joined Take Two and we started Rockstar, they'd done a deal with gathering of developers. And back then there was a lot of animosity between developers and publishers. Okay. Where the developers did work really hard, did lower. And the publishers were like from the packaged goods industries and like marketing people who didn't care and love and offended quite easily the developers. And there was a real mistrust. And Take Two had done a deal with gathering the developers, 3D Realms, id, right? Mike Wilson, right? Like hardcore. And they sent me down to Texas, down to Dallas, right? Yeah, it is right here in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. They made me wait in the lobby for like three hours. (laughs) And they met with you. They're like, uh-huh. Yeah, you're from Take Two, right? But like, and so Sam, love him. And one of the reasons why I loved working for Sam and with Sam was he was like, listen, you know, the developers are the talent. Yeah. And we're on the publishing side and we have to work double hard, especially if you're going to call yourself a producer. Right. And they are, the, and you have to like be so on your A game and make them feel like the stars and really have our shit together to be a good publisher. And we were, we were very hands on very integrated into creating development, you know, the, the assets that went in the game, yeah. the marketing assets and the sales assets, right? And so, but then back then we had like Remedy, right? And 3D Realms and Max Payne. And every E3, right, for like five years, right? Bullet time, same video. When's yeah. it coming? When's right. it coming? And they're like, when it's ready. Fuck off, right? When it's ready. Right. And, but then they delivered. When Max Payne came out, the Noir, the Viva, they delivered. Cyberpunk, Different story. You delivered a really buggy game. I don't know what happened and what went wrong, but it went wrong to the point where I know ransomware is the big thing, just stealing the files and yeah. then going, pay us or we're going to release. But they did sell all their source files, right? Yeah. And just all the hoopla and like getting 
taken down off the PlayStation Store and the Xbox Store. It's like, yeah, the mob, if you're going to whip up that kind of anticipation and that frenzy, if you don't deliver, like, you're going to get destroyed. Hopefully they survive, right? But, yeah, no, it's extremely challenging. Those are some of the the drawbacks or the, I would say, the, the challenges of gaming. But what I want to give you an opportunity here as we have a little bit of time left, the good that has happened as a result of gaming as well. You know, and I know that you've had a hand in the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society related to video games. I'd love for you to share what you've done there. The most beautiful people I've ever had an opportunity to work with in terms of like a charity organization. I've never cried in a meeting before than when I watched like the patient stories. Wow, yeah. And coincidentally, after like starting to work with them, my father's got blood cancer, but he's got a lot before that. It's like, yeah, add it, add it to the list. Wow. He's got plenty of other to manage, but he's, you know, he's doing fine. And I think it was really one of the most amazing, beautiful things that we are seeing in gaming is this behavior of giving. Yes. Right. Sure. A lot of it started like I follow the influence of the content creator that I, I like and I connect with and I want to show them and reward good content with subscribing yeah. and then with tipping. But there's this incredible sense of unity and altruistic sort of let's help other people for the toxicity that can be there in gaming. Yeah. Right. Both within the community and then people that are not as fortunate. And I think also, you know, if we think certainly amongst esports, right, where we have, which really is reflective of this younger generation where their heads are at and actually like wanting to know that brands that they buy product from stand for something, right? Yeah. And are doing something themselves to give back and to support. And so we're seeing all of this behavior and then, you know, Dr. Lupo, I mean, what a, what a hero, right? Yes. And I think, you know, his, his, his boy, right. I think was sick and some dudes, helped him. I think that's the connection, but, and there's, you know, rooster teeth and, 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 and Mr. B, loads of content creators that have just raised such a tremendous amount of money in a short period of time. And so really it was about when I met the Human Lymphoma Society, I'm like, you're such a fabulous charity, right? You're so stand up and it all goes into research, right? And you're not, you're like non-for-profit and like, and you think about sort of what the, what the kids go through with blood cancer, like the treatments they get actually makes, gives them life-threatening illnesses. It's like barbaric. It's like oh, wow. 1600s time, right? Jeez. And so, so you really sort of feel that. And I realized like the, the younger generation, certainly games weren't necessarily aware of them. Sure. And, and it's been an incredible journey to sort of really focus on like teaching them how to fish rather than fish for them. Right. And also, you know, they are a charity, so don't want to really take any of their money, give them a lot of free hours, but and right, but you have, to, you have to do spend some money sometimes to build an infrastructure. So we focused on really sort of building out the tech stack for them. Yeah. Right. So they're on they have a Tiltify homepage, right? They're 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 on stream elements, right? And and then it was like, okay, let's get you connected to Discord. Let's work with sort of young organizations like Player GG and let's do a sweepstake and get Corsair Computer in there and, you know, and get some energy going and, and create some sort of stream assets and a toolkit that you can then provide. Because I think you'll find, as we have found, that 
so many gamers, you know, or so many of their patients, so many of the kids and the grown-ups that have blood cancer or in treatment or in remission game and are game, right? right? And it's a really, so it's a wonderfully healthy, positive way for them to be able to do something, right? Either like gaming changed their life in terms of isolation for four months. Like what we've gone through in COVID, they've been going through, right? Before COVID, can't, no one could come in the room. You just completely cut off. And so gaming has absolutely broken down a lot of barriers for socializing, for communicating, for a sense of relief and a sense of joy. Right. Um, and so it's, 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 it's really exciting, right. To, to work with them, you know, and I think, you know, we, we, we came up with a campaign called hashtag tilt cancer. It's sort of like our moniker, right. Or our sort of starting handle. We have a number of campaigns running right now. We're looking at Minecraft, right. And how we can cool. put a challenge together, right. Leveraging Minecraft. And also when we think about, they have a hero squad program at the school level, you know, my eight and 10 year olds, it's like they're playing Minecraft and how do we like, modernize the cookie sale, like the, the Girl Scout cookie sale. Yeah. I don't want to take away the cookies, girls. Not the Girl Scouts, <laughs> I'm not messing with you. But I feel like we can grow on it, right? And we can use gaming and the power of gaming to connect, right? To bond and, and come together and kind of, you know, donate or reward time spent. And also video games, as all the colleges and high schools are working out, actually our children are developing the soft skills, the emotional learning skills, yeah. STEM skills, that are necessary for basic jobs, right? And also then the math and the STEM. So as a way to reward kind of progressive, productive behavior and tie it to donations, and it's it's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, we know that just about all youth are playing video games. I did a keynote yesterday to the California State University Entertainment Alliance. And so I did a bunch of research around this. And one of the things I, I pulled up was... 90% 90% of teens in the U.S. are gamers playing video games and 97% of boys who are teenagers who are pl- are playing games in the U.S. I was floored by that statistic. But then when you look at, when you look at youth who are in a hospital, you know, who are in a situation where they can't do it, they can't get out of bed, they can't hang out with other people, gaming can be all there is. You know, and if they were well and healthy, they they'd probably still be gaming, but they're able to just. Pull them. It's 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 transform it's transformative. So we had this yeah. lovely young kid called Nick, and and he, you know, we focused on his patient story for tilt cancer, and you know, yeah, he's isolated from everybody, and playing video games made unbearable treatment manageable. Wow, and helped ensure that he never quite gave up or lost hope. Yeah, right. And definitely brought relief. And he now he's in remission and he's got a head of hair. And, wow. and he's like absolutely like was like make all the difference to how I got through my treatment. That's incredible. Yeah. That gives me goosebumps right now. I'm listening to you share about this. And you know, the ability to build connections too. You know, games are so social nowadays and we we see young people who are very healthy, who, who are making a lot of their connections through video games. But man, when you're stuck in that room and the only people are coming are, are your parents and the kids you used to go to school with, you're not seeing anymore. The ability yeah. to connect as well as uh, explore the animal crossing. I mean, animal crossing was one of the saving graces of COVID, right? For like Absolutely. grown ups and, and kids alike. And then when we think about, you know, 
the power of that. Look at how the fashion industry, right, and 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 cosmetics all embraced Animal Crossing. And what I love is, I think it was you know Procter and Gamble's Venus, right, or one of the beauty brands in Animal Crossing. Like I could put acne on my avatar, or I could put stretch <laughs> yeah. marks. Yeah. I just it was so humanizing. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, yes, love that, you know. Yeah, look, and I think, you know, there's, you know, if you look at like Animal Crossing, you look at Roblox, you look at Minecraft, these collaborative world builders, right? I'm I'm expressing myself, I'm building, I'm having adventures, and it is incredibly explorative and it really sort of unleashes one's imagination. And then they are like screaming at, you know, I need to meet Sufi in the server, yeah. you know, and, and it's and so they they are actually like it's it's fast tracking their technical know how their ability to use computers right. to navigate things like Zoom right and email and find each other and then get in the server and then do things together right. uh, and it's really like it just extends and builds on what we can have in in real life and and thank God because yeah there's a lot of mental wellness issues because of COVID on a younger generation yeah and then you also think. You know, we all, I'm talking from a privileged position, right? Because sure. I live in a place where I have internet, right? I have fast internet and right. I can afford a computer. And so you think of then about, you know, all the underprivileged kids, right? And all the single parents, right? And those that are like living on or below the poverty line, right? And they haven't then had Animal Crossing or they haven't had the ability to be in Minecraft mm-hmm. and connect, right? And have had a really dissatisfactory, you know, experience with zoom and homeschooling right right true and, and it's 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 going to take we're going to see the effects of that right it's definitely taken a, a a big toll right and i think there's opportunities and this is where brands can step in i always love to open the eyes of brands that like and and just also the broader world is like we need money to do stuff cool stuff right. and impactful stuff and you know who, who has the money brands have the money right. And this generation, especially the esports generation, that's also why they're like, this is my passion. I don't kind of need you. Right. Fine. I, you know, I like something, but I like it. But if you're going to come in and like, well, I, part of the reason why I like all these ecosystems is I'm not spammed with ads. I mean, that's changing now, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, right? yes. You all cut the cord to get away from ads. And all I do is get ads on every OTT device and cable and whatever. Exactly. But, and pre-roll and mid wow. But, they're like, let me see you invest a bit into the ecosystem, into those that aren't as fortunate that we do care about and want to see you lift up. Right. And the goodwill and the brand lift and the positive sentiment, and you will actually like rapidly move into the purchase consideration set. Yep. It's so easy, but it's still like a foreign language. Yes. And there are these new platforms and these new tools. And, they, and and so the KPIs don't immediately, obviously, line up, right? Right. And and we're not sure. And there's still some, perhaps, you know, misperceptions about gaming. And who, I think COVID, hopefully, has really destroyed that. And now it's a question of, you know, the clutter and the noise and where do you play, right? Right. And, and really understanding, to your point, competitive gaming is made up of a, a lot of different sports yeah. with very different audiences in different parts of the world with different behaviors. And then gaming culture is very different. True. And, you know, look, and, and getting into a video game is still high touch and hard. Yeah. And again, that's one of the beautiful things about esports. It's opened up 
all these new touch points where actually it's really easy for a brand to come in and go, got it. And you love this passion. We love you. So let us help you. And we got this and we paid for this and we've done this. And yeah, because we got this and it's like beautiful. Exactly. No, I love it. And I, I think too, just a call out to anybody who's watching and listening to this episode is, you know, those people who, who don't have that access, you, you give that access to video games, to the gaming experience, the social experience that it provides in a positive way. You give that access to the people who don't have access themselves, man, that is going to return many times over to your brand, loyalty, affinity, yeah. and it's going to result, like you said, in the sales consideration process as well. Well, Jamie, I, I had such an enjoyable time talking with you. I, I learned a lot about video game development and it's it's just, I always love our chats and you too, John. you're an enjoyable you guy to talk to and I, I love your experience and your perspective on things. Tell the audience before I let you loose here, how can they follow you? Is there anything that they need oh, to know that you're working on? No, there's way more interesting people to find. <laughs> like I have this really weird relationship with social and on my Instagram, like, I, I've made it private and I sort of want to try and just keep my family and friends updated. And it's yeah. my daughters. Then I sort of like, like slightly sort of spazzy, like fits and starts sort of like tweet or like post what I'm doing on a work front. Sure. But I'm like, ah, there's way more, you know, the things I'm working on are way more interesting. Right. Than, than awesome. Me. Well, but, what are um, some of those things, you know, they should follow EMLS, right? Love what we've worked major league soccer yeah. for four years. Love, you know, all the work that we do on EMLS and, and everything to do with FIFA, right? Which now we're doing like watch alongs for the actual, you know, soccer games, right? With people like AA9 Skills. We're doing, you know, collaborating with Twitch on Twitch Rivals, FIFA shows. Love, we love everything to do with soccer culture. I will at some point probably no doubt post what we're up to with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I would say that we do have a great toolkit and you can get it from Stream Elements and 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 on the Tiltify platform and you can cool. help fundraise, right? Hashtag Tilt Cancer, right? That's what we're on about. And then no doubt we'll be up to some stuff, you know, with Bud Light as the as the year comes back, right? They've got their, you know, the official beer of, of the LCS. Yep. Um, as well as Buffalo Wild Wings, right? So as we all get back to live events and stuff, no doubt there'll be some beer and, and chicken wings, right? And and fun fun things for us to do. Well, no, that's awesome. Looking forward to seeing you at one of these live events sometime soon. Oh, uh, me too. I'm, I'm raring to go. I tell you, I've got my shot. I'm like, let's do this. Let's go. Awesome. Well, Jamie King, thank you so much for joining me on the DLC Drop Podcast. It has been a pleasure. Job. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.